0: Well, hello, and welcome back to the Great Date Guy Podcast. Today, we demystify charisma. I think charisma is one of those weird abstract terms that gets bandied about without people actually understanding what it is. In fact, if we look... Uh, the general concept, I think what I'm left with without looking it up, is that there is this like aura, right? There's something about someone that draws other people to them. They're a very likable person. Um, but it's still kind of a question mark, right? Like, we don't really know what that is. In fact, if we go into the French, the je ne sais quoi, uh, i use this a lot because it's such a great phrase. But it's like, I know not what, right? There's There's something about this person that I can't quite put my finger on, but it really makes them stand out. I feel like charisma neatly falls into that category. But what the hell is it? So charisma is defined actually as a compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. And one of the first things that comes up if you look for charisma is a picture of Barack Obama. So <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and break this down. Now, this is my personal theory of charisma, it has no bearing in reality, this is just my theory, and as far as I can tell, it checks out, right? In executing in this, you get the results that someone with charisma would have. That being said, it's not the truth, or is it the whole truth, uh, yeah, take it for what it is, right? These are my experiences, they might not work for you, they might not fit for you. I suspect they might though. (laughs) Okay, so. That being said, I think charisma can be divided into two categories. One is that this person seems very certain of themselves, right? They inspire you to follow their lead. And that requires a certain level of confidence, right? This person might be unwavering. They might just confidently go into the next scenario without really knowing what to expect. Whatever it is, you just kind of want to follow them like lemmings off of a cliff maybe there's a more inspiring way to put that but you know there you go (laughs) the other piece is that level of charm right there's something about them that makes it like really hard not to spend time with them and in order to break that down i think we can get into the basics here and it started in that we're going to cover off on charm which you know we talked about confidence before but charm is new right so when I look at charm, I can see that the most charming people that I know are ones who behave unabashedly, right? They, they lean in to who they are. There's no, there's no stopping themselves. You, you can see them fighting against whatever brain processes are there when they want to limit their self-expression. Put another way, They're imperfect, right? We can see that they struggle against the usual human struggles. And despite that, they continue to show up and perform. Now, in that, there is this level of authenticity, which we come back to over and over again. Like You can begin to see that it's really the magic bullet here. And within that authenticity, and I'm going to argue vulnerability as well, what they say and what they do lands as very genuine right so that is to say that you should not confuse anything about charisma with the need to put on a persona or to act a different way right even that component of confidence as we're breaking it down again Seeing that they're struggling through things, right? Even though they're having a hard time, they're still fighting on the front lines of whatever it is they care about the most. That's what makes it charismatic. That's what makes it endearing. That's why we follow these people, because there's no duplicity about them, right? Who they are is who they say they are. And that's going to be really important as we continue to dive into this. And if you've listened to our previous podcasts, I don't know why I said our, um, my previous podcasts, you've also been presented with the idea that confidence and vulnerability are very much the same thing. Now, we can go a little bit deeper into the theory here, but essentially, we can look at it like this Who among us can afford to be vulnerable? Is it the people that are already kind of like unstable and weak? Can they afford to be vulnerable? No, generally not. The people that can are the ones who are the strongest, the most confident, right? The people who can handle it. So in doing that, it's very easy to see how you can get access to the appearance of confidence, right? Other people will perceive you as confident, even if you yourself don't experience yourself that way. And you can do that through vulnerability. The other piece of this is as you begin to get more authentic with yourself, you also know that, like, how you would behave, what you want. You begin tracking your emotions, your body sensations, and you see, hey, this is something that I would want to go after. This is important to me, right? This is the food that I want to eat. And as you get more and more in tune with that, There's less going back and forth in your own head about what it is that you're after. You just know, right? Because you're so dialed in. And that also presents as confidence to other people. And the more sure of yourself you are, the more likely other people will be to follow you. Now, I think that this comes as a result of most people being on autopilot and not being in tune with what they want, right? They'll go with what makes other people happy. They don't stop to think, hey, is this something that I'm actually on board with? Most of us want to be kind of easygoing. We don't want to rock the boat because that might lead to conflict. So, we follow other people who appear to be really, really enrolled in what they're up to hey, if this person really loves this restaurant, if they're super excited about it, I can trust that there's something exciting about this restaurant. And that's where the leadership component comes into play. The trouble that most people bump into is that they have a hard time separating what they authentically want from their fears about the situation. Because fears are really powerful primordial thing it's at the basis of who we are fear is the one instinct that keeps us alive right if we had no fear we'd be doing crazy stuff all the time and breaking limbs and what have you and probably dying in droves right that's one of the reason what uh, one of the many reasons why men have a much shorter lifespan on average it's because we do riskier, crazier things, like we're pushed to act in a fearless way, and so we die off in droves early on in life. <laughs> and I don't know why I'm laughing about that. It is, it is mildly funny. Uh, more than mildly funny. It, it's funny. So as a result of that, um, you know, there's less, less survival instinct, therefore we die off more frequently. So fear is, fear is the basis, right? Fear is always there, and it's very, very strong for the obvious reasons. <laughs> we are wired to survive. We are wired to continue to endure. And fear keeps us safe for the most part. Now, the tricky part is, because it's such a strong instinct, it sort of overwhelms what we would have there normally, right? When fear is removed um and that kind of clouds the picture a lot right that's where most of the back and forth comes from well logically i want to do this thing emotionally i'm also kind of on board to do this thing but here's this huge iceberg of fear that's in the way right and the only thing that fear will tell us to do is say no no i don't want to do this right reliably and consistently your fear will never tell you to go and do something it will tell you that no you shouldn't do anything you should be at home in fetal position in a dark room right (laughs) wear a blanket and rock back and forth that's your fear and unfortunately it's hard to sort through this right because it's been with us for so long it is the air that we breathe making decisions from fear or you know avoiding decisions from fear is as natural as breathing for most of us if you've ever gone to a bar or ever just wandered into a cafe and seen someone that you're really attracted to but you got into your head about it and then you just stalled out until that person literally left right or your window of opportunity passed that's your fear at play it's so it's like a knee-jerk reaction, right? We don't have control over it most of the time. And a lot, of what, a lot of what you can do to break past your fears for good is examining why they're there. right? What do you get to avoid if your fear is in place? What is it protecting you from? What benefit is it creating here for me in this moment if I don't do the thing that I'm afraid of? notice too where that fear came from when you're there and you're paralyzed and you can't make a choice what's your earliest memory of that when did that happen and as you think back i think you'll find something that most of us have found in doing this work and that is that that decision to not do anything right that decision to just freeze up It started from a very young age. It started when something bad happened after we took a risk. And from that point forward, we've been making that same decision. Um, And let me look back, see what mine was. So it can't like I'd rather stay out of hypotheticals and generalities and get specific with this. So let's process this. Okay, so back in middle school uh there was a girl that sat in front of me and she was friendly to me which i took to mean that she was really into me and one day she offered to bring in like a 40 pencil for me just out of the blue and i was like hmm this girl's into me so i joked yeah like I, th- I think you like me or at least i tried to pass it off like a joke because i wanted to play play it cool and then her reaction was ew you think i'm into you And from that point forward, I learned that it was not safe to assume that women were attracted. Just period. Not a good idea. You'll get in trouble. It'll be really embarrassing. So from that point forward, flirtation, any kind of flirtatious touch, any kind of engagement or showing that I was interested in women was a bad move. Now, on one hand, really great for avoiding allegations of sexual misconduct, like cool, I'm, I'm covered for life, right? I'm forever going to be safe from that. And <laughs> on the other hand, it also makes it impossible to create the spark with someone, right? If you're unwilling to take the risk, then there's no possible way that you can get out of a platonic relationship or connection. So, If we look, right, if we look for that memory, we look to see where it started, we can also begin to see these are the decisions of like a 13-year-old, right, or a 5-year-old, and they've been governing how we conduct ourselves for many, 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 many years, decades for some of us, and they served a purpose. They did something for us in that moment, right? That's why they exist. And it's not something that we should reject. However, currently at this point in time, they no longer serve us. And that's where it starts, right? With that awareness and there, there is work that we can do in order to erase those fears and move forward. So such that they aren't bothering us anymore. One of the ways that we can do that is to really get that memory complete. We go back and we have a conversation with that person and we admit, hey, I had this thing happen and I made up all these behaviors as a result of it, right? And I just wanted to clear it by you, right? Just have that conversation. And it might sound weird and it certainly for me and I'm imagining for you was a very confronting thing. But the minute that we can do that we can also begin to let go of the fear and the trauma that are associated with that moment. Right? It doesn't need to make sense, you just need to have the conversation. And once I can begin to get complete with the past, then I can also begin to free up my behavior. And then, confidence, charisma, charm, my ability to fully self-express, my authenticity, right? my vulnerability, those naturally open up more and more and more. Just understanding where it comes from, that's okay, right? It helps out a little bit, but it's not action. I haven't gone and done something in the physical world. And as a result of that, I will see very limited results, right? I can achieve results in my mind, but the mind is a wavering temporary thing. Those results don't last very long. If I go out into the world and do something with it, it endures. And that's what we're going for here. So I hope that gives you a solid basis to begin cultivating your own unstoppable charisma. If you want help, (laughs) you can find us. I keep on saying us. You can find me online at greatdateguy.com and we'll do the work to help you break through that barrier. It doesn't have to be hard. It can be fun and motivating, but you just kind of have to have the right conversation to get you there. All right, so that is all the time that we have for today. My name is Rob Wong. This has been another episode of the Great Date Guy podcast, and we'll catch you next week, Thursday, 8 a.m. Pacific time.